You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. want to say before we get started this morning what an amazing time we had in worship on Friday night and so appreciative of yeah it was powerful and thank you for those who were able to come out and who did it was uh I know Friday night not necessarily on the normal rhythm of your worship and church attendance calendar um, but it was a great night and um, I'm grateful for the worship and the songs that God has placed in the hearts of uh, the team here and that our uh, ability with all the people that put in so much hard work just to be able to exalt Jesus and to worship him it was it was it was special and it was powerful and it was uh, the time to do it and I was excited so maybe you've heard this said to you before you're too emotional why can't you control your emotions or maybe you're on the other side and you've heard Do you have any emotions? Why are you always so stoic about everything? Then we've got these quick, non-empathetic responses that we often give in situations, maybe where we haven't even been asked, but we give out our opinion like, well, just get over it. Forgive and forget. Toughen up. Move on. Quit worrying about it. Or my wife's all-time favorite. Relax. These are things that we've heard people say to us or that we have said to other people. And without relationship and some nuance, they're not very helpful. And in a lot of cases, they're emotionally harmful. I want to help us be better than that, church. I want to help us as the body of Christ to be better than to be flippant or unemotional or too emotional and all the things that we can deal with to be like God intended us to be. The date was August 5th, 1936. Mac Robinson towed the line at the 200 meter final at the Olympics in Germany. As he was getting ready for the race, He knew, as it has been the case throughout his young college career, that this race was his for the taking, that he could win this race, as he believed he could in every race. He was wearing the same old worn-out spikes, however, that he had been using to compete all year long at Pasadena Junior College. He ran in front of 100,000 people that day who didn't even believe he should be there really wasn't a complete human. He finished and set a new Olympic record. But no cheers for Mac Robinson, the younger brother of Jackie Robinson that day, because Jesse Owens finished a second ahead and set a world record that day. Jesse Owens had a brand new pair of shoes a brand new prototype made by Adi Dassler. Sound familiar? The founder of Adidas. Jesse Owens had those shoes, but Mac Robinson had his old worn out shoes. 
You ever get a pair of new shoes? Like it comes in that box, right? I don't know if this is the brand that you wanted to see or not, but sorry, Adi Dossler. But you get that brand new pair of shoes and you, and you open it up and, oh yeah, there they are. These aren't mine, by the way. They're way too big for my foot. These are Josiah's new pickleball court shoes. But he could wear his old tennis shoes, just wouldn't be as effective on the court slipping and sliding around. Just like Mac Owens or or Mac Robinson ran that race in his old shoes, setting an Olympic record. But Jesse had brand new shoes, set a world record. Sometimes we need brand new shoes. I don't know if you're like me, but when you got those brand new shoes as a kid, you felt like you could run faster, jump higher. I thought that maybe, just maybe, I could actually touch the rim. Never happened. Let me take you back three and a half years ago, January 2019. And at that time, I felt extreme clarity that God wanted us as a church to become more emotionally healthy, to teach our church about emotional health. Although I really didn't have any idea all that that entailed, I knew it was something that I longed for. It was something that I desperately needed in my own life and that God would be working in me as much as he would be working through me. I could have never anticipated what the next three years were going to be like, not in my wildest nightmares. But then I thought, God is up to something. He taught us this for a reason. He's teaching us something for a reason. And now I realize that God was leading me and our church to grow in areas that would be more important and more necessary to be able to not just get through, but to survive those three years that were coming. My old ways of doing life and ministry were not going to work. My, my old track shoes with its worn out spikes weren't going to work as I ran the race of faith that God had me in. God wanted me and our church to re- realize to continue to do everything the same old way would not work. Old ways don't always support new works that God is doing. Jesus addressed this reality in three parabolic examples in in Mark 2, two of which he said this in verse 21, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth to an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. They put new shoes on. The parable shows how careful we have to be in order to not just confuse good things with ultimate things or make good things ultimate things. If we try to contain the new in the ways and the form of the old, it can end up causing spiritual damage. It can rip the wineskin, if you will, both ruining the skin and the wine. We can't continue to do things the same old way in order to get to some of the new places that God is calling us to go through some of the things that we've never been through before. We need some new equipment. There are certain times when no mixing of the old and new are going to work because they're incompatible. But we're stubborn and we like our old ways. We don't like change. We don't like something that's uncomfortable. That's why we wear the same threadbare t-shirt or sweatshirt or jogging pants that your friends and your spouse or whatever wish you would just throw away. 
We just keep wearing it. Why? Because it's comfortable. But here's the deal. God isn't always coming to reform things. Many times he comes to transform things. And transformation isn't comfortable. When God transforms us and starts doing a new work in and through us, it's going to be uncomfortable. But doing a new thing that God wants to do takes that transformation. And I believe God has been doing that, wanted to do that. 2019 was him saying, I want to do some transformation in you in Focus Church. And he continues to do so today. It's in line with what he's been telling us for years. Prophetic word that he gave both one of our elders at a prayer meeting that he confirmed to me with a group of my pastor friends months later that he was taking the old shoes away. You cannot wear these any longer. Throw them away. I don't care how comfortable they are. There's no traction. You can't run the race of faith with these anymore. And when? Put on the new shoes. In order to bear the weight of glory that God wants to reveal through you, you're going to have to continue to obey God's word. Put on the new shoes. And in this case, sometimes the new shoe that I believe God wants to do in us is emotional health. Emotional, healthy spirituality. And it's going to feel like putting on some new shoes when you begin to grasp what God wants to do inside of us, in our heart, soul, mind, and strength. These days we hear a lot about trauma. But I assure you, for the last three years, there's been a lot of trauma in our world. And that doesn't even take into account the things that maybe you've been through personally over the last few years, and your own family, your family of origin. So what I want to do today is look at the problem I believe that we all struggle with, because we're human, and that's emotionally unhealthy spirituality. We're going to biblically explore the topic of emotional health. And for some of you, this is totally new. And that's great. It's like getting a pair of new shoes and opening it up and going, okay, I think I can jump higher now. Emotionally, spiritually, I can can actually win this race. And for others of you, you put a lot of work in. But either way, we're going to continue to grow and mature and let God have his way in us. We're going to put the new shoes on. My contention is we spend much of our lives trying so hard to avoid certain emotions while telling ourselves how we should be feeling that we eventually become emotionless. Consequently, we become emotionally and spiritually immature. This is not something Christians are immune to, by the way. This is why it poses a problem for us in the church many times. Not exclusively, it poses a problem everywhere, but sometimes in the church we think we're immune to this because we can erroneously believe that having problems is unchristian. Or we can believe that because we're Christians, we're immune to problems of any kind. We have a strange relationship with emotions in this world, in our culture, in the church even. Whether it's too much emotion, you're too emotional, or not enough emotion, you don't have any emotions. Either can be seen as bad. Having normal emotions can be seen as weakness. Or on the polar opposite, we can worship our feelings and let our emotions be our God. Neither is good. Truth is, we live in an age of emotional ineptitude and ignorance. We live in emotional extremes like stoic and non-emotional or too emotional. And neither, as I said, is healthy. So let's go to Jesus, the truth. Let's look to his word where he reveals his truth. And one of our core values here at Infocus Church is that we would experience spiritual growth. 
that you would not leave here the same way that you came in, not just on a Sunday, but in life in general, as you've committed to be a part of this body, that we would grow in our Christ-likeness. And for that to happen, we have to admit that we're imperfect. We have to be honest about our emotions, that we don't always have it all together. When we feign perfection, we stop being perfected. So the better approach is to acknowledge that we're always progressing towards Christ-likeness. We could say it this way. There are no perfect people here, but there are progressing people here. I'm not perfect, but I should be progressing in Christ-likeness. Anybody ever told you that you can't be led by your emotions? That's true. The problem is in our fear of being led by our emotions... We are overcorrecting and then we circumnavigate emotional health altogether. Oh, I can't be led by emotions. We go to church more instead. We pray more. We worship more. We serve more. We give more. We study the Bible more. We work harder. And all of those things are good and necessary, but not in lieu of emotional health. See, we can't be yelling and screaming at each other and then just go to church and act like everything's okay. That's emotionally unhealthy. I can't cuss out my waitress and then pray for my meal right after that because that's emotionally unhealthy. Let's put it this way. It's impossible to be emotionally immature and spiritually mature at the same time, and yet we try. Now, the reality of that statement has not stopped us, as I said, from trying to do this, to ignore our emotions, to tell them they're bad for the purpose of becoming more spiritually mature, or so we think. Oh, you can't feel that way. Oh, you shouldn't do that. Instead, what happens when we begin to be emotionally immature or unhealthy, we begin depleting a very real and necessary part of how God created us. For example, have you ever been in a situation where you know how you should feel, but you don't? Like, I should be enjoying this, but I'm not. Or I, I should be shedding some tears about this because this is sad, but I'm not. I might actually be feeling the exact opposite of what I know the circumstances around me are telling me I should feel. I've been there. Some of you know a little bit about my story. I remember sitting with my counselor in 2019 and him asking me that very question. He's like, when's the last time that you enjoyed something? There was a long pause as I began to try to think. Then he said, because I had not answered, he said, when's the last time you felt good? I couldn't remember. And I knew right then and there that there was a problem. But I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. What's wrong with me? Where's my faith? Where's my hope? And therein lies the problem. It wasn't that I was ignoring and not doing many of the right things each and every week that I knew to do and that I was trying to do and I was doing more of. I was just ignoring one very important thing, and that was my emotions. God made me and you, and when he made you and me, he gave us emotions. So let's go to God's Word in the Bible, highlight a very familiar passage, but one that I think is important when we understand why this is something we talk about, why this is something we have to deal with. It's Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39, the great, greatest commandment, if you will. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. God made us whole people. 
And he made us, Genesis says, in his image as a whole person. That image includes physical, spiritual, emotional, intellectual, and social dimensions that we relate with one another and with God every single day. On top of that, when God got done doing all of those things, creating us the way that he did, he declared that it was good. So here's what we have to understand. Whenever we ignore any aspect of how God has made us, it will have a detrimental effect on our relationship with God and with other people and even with the way we view ourselves. Try it. Ignore your spiritual life. Ignore your mind. Ignore your body. Ignore your emotions and see where that leads you. When we do not operate as a whole person, we cannot love God wholly. We can't love God and others wholly. And that's W-H-O-L-L-Y. I mentioned this two weeks ago. But you know when you go to the gym, and I know I lost some of you just then. But you know when you go to the gym and, and you begin to do a little bit of workout and you see that person like we've talked about that obviously only works out one muscle group in their body every time they come. That's not a healthy approach to full body health because it inevitably leaves another muscle group underdeveloped. And if we don't do the hard work of letting the Holy Spirit heal, change, and control our emotions that God created us to have, we will never become emotionally healthy. We will look like an underdeveloped Christian with dysfunctional relationships with God and other people and an incorrect view of our own identity in Christ. In his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which we have at our resource center by Pastor Peter Scazzaro, he lists these symptoms of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. Like, what are some of the symptoms? You maybe today, as we kind of go through some of them that I've tweaked or, or, or reworded, see if you have some of these symptoms of being emotionally unhealthy in your spirituality. Because I want us to assess with the help of the Holy Spirit as to where we are when it comes to emotionally healthy spirituality. Let's admit there's a problem so that Jesus can help us. Can we do that? Let's admit that there's a problem, admit and then submit to God so that he can help us. We mentioned a lot about spiritual gifts a few weeks ago in our At The Movie series. But here's kind of the first symptom, if you will. Ignorance is not a spiritual gift. Why do we feel like it is? Because we feel like we're doing something by ignoring things. Unfortunately, we've adopted that axiom that ignorance is bliss. But when it comes to our emotions, we wrongly deduce that if we ignore something long enough, that it will go away. But the opposite is true. The longer you ignore it, the worse it gets. I started thinking about things like a leak that you might have. And, and maybe you've been there. It's like, oh, honey, it's fine. It's just a little bit of a leak. Next thing you know, you've got water in your kitchen, right? Because the pipe exploded. Then I thought about all the words that end in eek that you can't ignore. Like leak, creak, squeak. You better not ignore if it's squeaking or if it's creaking. Like even your, oh, my knee keeps creaking. Well, don't ignore that, right? If it reeks, don't ignore that. If you're weak, don't ignore that. If you're a freak, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just like, it was going on like all these words in an eek. It's weird. 
But here's where our understanding of Christianity and being a whole person or a whole Christian collide. If you're like me, when you feel emotions like anger or sadness or fear as a Christian, you start telling yourself something like, well, this is wrong. This is wrong. My spiritual life, I shouldn't feel this way. Fear is a lack of faith. I shouldn't feel this way. Sadness and depression, I must be outside of the will of God. I shouldn't feel this way. Anger, it's dangerous. It's not Christ-like. I shouldn't feel this way. So what do we do? As good Christians, we tell ourselves that those emotions are bad and that we're probably bad for having them. And we begin to quote scripture, pray, sing, anything and everything to make them go away. Now, let me make a caveat here. Because I think you should do all of those things no matter how you feel. I know as humans, we can live in a world where we're unhealthy and unbiblical and we follow our emotions exclusively and extremely. I acknowledge that we cannot live by how we feel alone and doing whatever we feel alone. But more often than not, in the church, we employ the spiritual gift of ignorance Ignoring what we feel because we can't admit or express those feelings honestly and openly to God and to one another. Like sadness and fear and hurt and pain and anger and shame. But here's the problem. If we ignore what we are feeling, we never allow God to help us get to why we're feeling that way. If I keep pushing the what down, I never get to the why. I never get to the root of what I'm feeling. If you never get to the why because you're continually ignoring the what, you're going to crush your emotions till you no longer feel much of anything and I have been there and you live like a Christian robot. I feel great. God is good all the time. I'm too blessed to be stressed. You see, to feel is to be human. This is what sets us apart from all other forms of creation. And to ignore what we feel and suppress it or to tell it to go away or it's bad is a distortion of what God says is good. A misrepresentation of what it means to be image bearers of a holy God. Remember, if we do not operate as a whole person, then we cannot have a relationship with God and others that is holy and holy. There's probably a reason why you're feeling what you're feeling. So let God show you why you're feeling that. To help you and to heal you and to make you more whole. Don't ignore it. Let God heal it. And by it, I mean your unredeemed emotions. Admit you're feeling it and allow God to start healing. said it a minute ago. Admit it and then submit it. That's something that we have to do. God, I admit that it's there and I'm submitting it to you so that you can heal those unredeemed emotions. Or get to why I'm feeling this way. Another symptom of emotionally unhealthy spirituality is doing for God instead of being with God. In the church, we can just get doing for God, and we're never being with God. And the reason this one is so difficult is because it sounds and it looks so right. There's this interesting story in in 1 Samuel 15, where King Saul was instructed to defeat the Amalekites, and in so doing, destroy everything and everyone. Problem is, is that Saul didn't fully obey God, reminding all of us that partial obedience is actually disobedience. You ever ask somebody if they did something for you, and the answer is sort of? Hey, did did y'all take the trash out? Sort of. Did you fill up the car with gas? Sort of. What, What does that mean? What do you mean sort of? It's never a good answer when it comes to obedience. 
First Samuel 15, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I brought back Agag, the king of, king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, and the best of the things devoted to destruction to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. He's like saying, hey, this, we did something good with this. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. I think we've all been just like Saul. We've done some good things. He did some good religious acts. He did some good things for God. Have you ever been there where you did some good things for God, but he'd not spent enough time being with God to clearly do what God had told him to do? To obey God and to do something new or different or uncomfortable takes a close intimate relationship with God. To hear and to trust and obey that even though I don't see what's going on right now, God, I know you led me down this track. I know you led me down this path. We don't do new things. We don't do difficult things. We won't do uncomfortable things because we haven't spent enough time with God to hear him properly and trust him. Conversely, how often do we do things for God that he never asked us to do? Just like Saul. Because, why? Because we're emotionally unhealthy and we need to please people or we need to work and get God on our good side. These are emotionally unhealthy feelings that are not true. When what we need to do is to be silent before God and just be with God so that we can obey God wholeheartedly. How does this play out in our lives? We think about it, you know, you come to church, maybe you're part of the church, you're a member of the church, and we think we got so much to do for God, so many lost people to reach, so many people to help and serve, so the more I do, the more spiritual I'll be. And while we do have people to reach, while we do have people to help and serve, and while you are an integral part of the family of God with a vital mission in the earth, if our work for God is not supplied and supported by a consistent and intimate relationship with God, that work is going to be contaminated by other issues like needing the approval of people or believing the wrong ideas about success and spirituality. And that's where we can't find ourselves as a church. We're human beings, not human doings. And if we don't realize this, we can become performance-based Christians who gain our worth and value from what we do for God instead of who we are in Christ. We cannot give what we do not have. What we do for God must flow out of our life with God. This is emotionally healthy spirituality. Another symptom of emotionally unhealthy spirituality is when you find yourself, and I'm making a word up at this point, you, you become a spiritual Instagrammer, right? What do I mean by that? It's like you, this is a social media phenomenon. We wouldn't have had this point, I don't know, 20 years ago. But it's that place where we curate a life where everybody sees the best and most perfect parts of our lives and they really don't see the broken and the hurting parts of our lives. 
We filter away the brokenness and the weakness and the failures and the fears of our lives because of the pressure to be spiritually strong and have it all together for everybody else. When we're emotionally unhealthy, we can't bear to be honest about our problems or our issues or our sins, so we cover them up, and we do this with or without Instagram. This is a result of the fall. It's actually what Adam and Eve did when they sinned. They found a way with their own stuff to cover themselves. In their own weaknesses, they covered their brokenness and failures their own way. And we still do the same today. We cover our weaknesses and our shortcomings with false images of ourselves. We hide our true selves from those who love us and can help us the most, namely Jesus. We try to cover up our sin, but Jesus' blood is the only thing that can cover our sin. We'll try anything and everything to cover up everything that needs to, like, I don't want anybody to know this. And here's the reality in the body of Christ and with Jesus who loves you more than anything, those are the people that need to be involved. He's the one that needs to be involved in your life so that you can have those things healed and whole. We're called to be honest about sin in our lives. Confess it. Get Jesus to help us. Admit it. Submit it. I'll go back to that. Don't curate a false image of your life where God can't do in you the new things that he wants to do because we're holding on to the old things that he wants us to let go of. That's emotionally unhealthy. Just know you're not alone in the struggle. You're not, I mean, I hope I let you know that you're not alone because I've, I've been there many times. But all you have to do is go into the Bible and you'd think the Bible, the Holy Bible, would kind of sanitize some of its heroes, but it doesn't. We have plenty of examples of imperfect people to follow. Like Moses was a murderer. They don't spend their flaws and their weaknesses. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Noah got so drunk that he passed out naked. Jonah was a racist. Jacob was a professional liar. Elijah was a coward. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Peter rebuked Jesus. Thomas doubted Jesus. Paul had Christians tortured and killed. And David, the premier worship leader of all time, was an adulterer, liar, and murderer who tried to cover it all up. And when he realized what he'd done, he wrote a song about it and added it to the worship set that we still sing today by reading the Psalms. And all of their life stories are out there for all of us to read so that we can know that every single one of us, regardless of our gifts or our strengths, are weak and vulnerable and dependent on God, and we're dependent on others in the body of Christ. We need God and we need each other and covering up our frailties that need those relationships to help us grow and be refined doesn't make any sense. It certainly won't help you become emotionally healthy and spiritually mature. Another temptation we believe is that we can handle it all. It's very simply, I put it this way, you're not a superhero. Remember that when we read the stories about the Bible, it's not that we're the superhero of the story ever. It's that Jesus is. Again, we live in a culture that tells us we can be whatever we want to be. You can be the next Michael Jordan. You can be the next LeBron James. You can be the next Warren Buffett. You can be the next Steve Jobs. You can be the next great singer. Whatever it is. And as Christians, we take that mentality into the church and our Christian life and ministry. And again, there are two sides of this coin. There are many selfish believers who don't really care about helping anybody outside of their own family and friends. But more often than not, here's what we buy into. We buy into this emotionally unhealthy thought that we need to do even more, and if we don't do more, we feel guilty. Guilt leads to being discouraged. Discouraged leads to being disengaged and isolated because we're overwhelmed with a need that we can't possibly ever meet. Why? Because we're not Jesus. 
We're not a superhero. I think we can all agree we're human in here, right? That was an easy question. (laughs) Because we're human, we have limitations. That's my point. We're not superhuman. We cannot serve everyone that is in need. But if we live in a bad exegetical Philippians 4.13 kind of world that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we start to be emotionally dishonest about ourselves. It doesn't matter how many tattoos you had that say that, you can't do all things. The context of that message and that passage was Paul being able to be content in the middle of jail and persecution. The strength he was receiving from Jesus was not to break the bars of the jail or the strength to deny his circumstances, but the strength to be content in the middle of horrific circumstances and to surrender his will to God's will for his life. That's a little bit different than, I'm going to hulk out of here in Jesus' name. Now, listen, if that's what God wants, I've heard all kinds of stories. He could open up the thing. He did for Paul and Silas. He could open it up. He could make the guard go to sleep. He could do all kinds of things. But the reality is we have to be in an emotionally healthy and intimate space to be able to know what God is saying and not ignore what God is doing. We need to look no further than Jesus to see how this is true. He did not heal every sick person. He didn't raise every dead person to life. He didn't feed every hungry person. Jesus didn't do it, so why do we feel like that we must? This is where we get exhausted and frantic and frustrated and too busy that we can't do anything well. Spending time doing things that we shouldn't while missing out on spending time on things that we should be doing. So let's go to Philippians 2, and I'll draw this to a close. In your relationships with one another, like in being emotionally healthy in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Now, if I go back to the verse that I started out with this morning in Matthew chapter 22, where it says to love your neighbor as yourself. For years, I overlooked the importance of loving myself. And even when I say that coming out of my mouth, it sounds weird. Like, like, what do you mean loving yourself? What I mean is that Matthew 22 says that I'm to love my neighbor as I love (laughs) myself. And you're like, that just sounds kind of new age to me. That's that's just, what? It, It sounds so odd, like we're supposed to deny ourselves, right? And take up our cross, right? Yes, true. But also true is that along with the whole of Scripture, we realize we're to die to the sinful parts of who we are, not the godly parts of who we are. Our friendships, our joy, our laughter, even our our understanding of the beauty of creation that God has put around us. We don't die to those things. Our emotions that God has given us. We don't kill that. What about considering others more important than yourself and laying down our lives for others? All true. But you have to have a self to lay down. So you can't annihilate yourself. As one writer put it, self-care is never a selfish act. 
it's simply good stewardship of the only gift I have, my life. That God has given me the gift that I was put on this earth to offer to others. Anytime we can listen to our true self and give it the care it requires, we do not only, we do it not only for ourselves, but for the many others whose lives we touch. See, emotionally unhealthy people try to do it all for the wrong reasons. The better approach is to submit our lives to Christ, submit our emotions to Christ, to follow his lead. And to use an axiom that we use here often and do for some what we wish we could do for all. We need Jesus to help us emotionally, to get to the places we'd rather ignore or hide from or gloss over, to remove everything that is not who we are supposed to be in Christ. Our prayer is that God would help us to become emotionally healthy, understanding that it's impossible unless we spend the necessary time with God in intimate places with Him and in His Word for Him to begin to do a work inside of us. I want to give you some emotionally healthy prayers that maybe you could pray today and then we'll do just that. We'll pray. I'll put them up on the screen. And it's very simply this. God, help us to name and recognize and deal with our own feelings. What is that today? What is it that you're feeling? And let God, by his Holy Spirit, inspect that and show you why you're feeling that way. God, help us to initiate and maintain close and meaningful relationships with others. Don't fake it till you make it. Be honest. Let confession be a part of your life with God and with one another. God, help us to break free from self-destructive patterns. A lot of these symptoms that I just talked about today. That we would be imperfect people and realize that, be honest about that, so God could continue to do what he did in starting that perfection in us. And then lastly, God, help us to accurately assess our strengths, limits, and weaknesses and freely share them with others. I hope we can do that. I mean, this, maybe God will lead you. Obviously, this is just a start for some prayers today for us as a body so that we can be emotionally healthy. And listen, I I say this with absolutely no knowledge of the future, but I had no idea when I was teaching this in 2019, what God was going to bring in and across our paths the following years that we needed to put into practice what we had learned as a body. So I had no idea what God's got coming ahead of, for you to make you more like Christ where you're going to need to put this in practice. So this isn't just us show up at church on Sunday, let's go home and watch football today. This is, you can watch football, I will, but let's remember what God's teaching us so when it comes around that he wants to do something through us that we'll say, you know what, I remember what you showed me that day and I'm not going to be like Saul. I'm not going to just partially obey you, God. I'm going to be honest about how I feel because I want to know why I feel that way so that I can reveal it and you can heal it. I want to admit it and submit it so you can change me so I can be like Christ made me to be. You gave me these emotions, so I'm going to use them for your glory so I can be more like you, Jesus. That's what we want to do. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.